Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Pete Hammond. This is the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Today, we're going to be discussing... um, Oh, variety and talk series, all those great talk shows and things that John Oliver wins every year. So it doesn't really matter what we say, because that's what happens. And before that, it was John Stewart. So it's, if your name's John, you know, you're in like Flint here with the uh, Academy. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, what we feel uh, are the top uh, contenders uh, in those categories. And you'll hear a snippet of my conversation with the cast, including Steve Martin and Martin Short and Selena Gomez of Only Murders in the Building. Well, I mean, is it is it really only murders in this category? I mean, you've kind of <laughs> laid it out. It's it's John Oliver to beat, John Oliver to win, John Oliver, John Oliver. But I think it might not be John Oliver this year because this year we have the introduction, or rather the return, or rather you could even say the resurrection of John Stewart on Apple TV Plus with the problem with John Stewart. Now, some people have said it was not the most fireworks enhanced return of John Stewart after many, many years of leaving The Daily Show and a rather ill-fated attempt at becoming a film director. Um, but he's back and he's on and now after a little bit of unevenness in episodes of The Problem with Jon Stewart, they now are back on a pretty regular schedule. And let's be honest, they did help change a lot, so to speak. So I think that, in fact, you might see a real contender this year. As for everybody else, I mean, you know, The Daily Show, Jimmy Kimmel, all the rest of them get nominated at one point. None of them win. Because they're not John. Who needs another Jon Stewart show to win Emmys? I just pointed out that Jon Stewart like won 10 years in a row when he was at The Daily Show. Um, And now he's back with another show and he expects to beat John Oliver, who's on that track to keep winning. You know what's unfair here, Dominic, is that John Oliver does a weekly Sunday night show when he does it. And uh, it's not the same thing as turning these uh, talk shows out uh, every night, every day during the week, um, and uh, and putting that together, and you know, you got to give props to people, not only like the three main ones at eleven thirty, Kimmel, uh, Fallon, and uh, Stephen Colbert, um, but you know, what about James Corden, who just announced uh, next year it's going to be his last year? That may give him a little bit of sympathy here in this category to maybe get back in. He wasn't even nominated last year in the category, and then. Uh, and Seth Myers, who I recently did a whole thing for um, Academy members at the Harmony Gold Theater with Seth. It was an evening with uh, Seth Myers and and his show, and uh, it was great. And he's he came out here. He did a lot of press. He uh, uh, did my uh, behind the lens as well. 
And um, you know what? I think uh, he's a, a player as well. There's a lot of people that need to be in this category, and it doesn't have to be. I like John Oliver. He's fine. But really, is this lazy voting, Dominic? Is this just lazy voting? Well, I think part of it is is something that you mentioned a number of times over the years when we've talked about this, which is a lot of Emmy voters, especially when they get this far down the ballot, they tick off the name they know. I mean, it's just that straightforward. And, you know, John Oliver is on HBO, so there's prestige there. HBO always put on a big campaign, whether or not they're owned by Warner Media, Time Warner, or now the incredibly originally named Warner Brother Discovery or whoever. John Oliver seems to rise above that. But to be honest, it's funny. You talk about Seth Meyer. You know, I'm just I'm looking back over past years. Seth Meyer, you know, I'm looking back 2020, 2019, 2018. I can't, you know, I don't see him nominated. It's interesting. Writing. He gets in the writing category. Yeah, writing, writing, schmiting. Uh, um, but look, you know, when you look at the actual show, Outstanding Variety Talk Series, the last time you saw a real kind of mix in this was Bill Maher made it in in 2017, as did The Late Show with James Corden. Pretty much after that, it's pretty much all the same. It's the same. Except Conan. Same. Conan. Now, Corden, last Corden year. Was also in there. Corden was also in there in 2019. But you look at 2021, and what is it? It's Jimmy Kimmel. It's The Daily Show. It's Stephen Colbert. And it's John Oliver. Though in that, though last year, Conan. In Conan, his kind but it was of his final. Zone. It was his final yeah. year. That's why I said maybe Corden will be drumming up. Although he'll be eligible again next year. Exactly. And I think that'll be a, that'll be a lot of people's buy-off. I, I think that that I think that John Stewart could be the player here because of the very thing we just talked about, which is the name brand familiarity. And 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 you know, I guess it's almost like that P value that he just kind of there is such a knowledge of him that it that it that it grows. And I guess people, you know, he did just get the Mark Twain and the Kennedy Center. And like, you know, he's got a lot of awards on his shelf. It just feels like this might be a year to bring it back. And I will also mention, as much as the show has been criticized of being kind of just a rebaked and reheated vision of what he did before with a few little tweaks, um, mainly he doesn't wear a suit, to be honest. Um, it, it has had some real effects. One of its earliest shows was talking about some of the dangers that came out of military life, particularly these pit fires that happen on army installations and bases all over the world, where equipment, by equipment, I mean everything from tanks to porta potties to radiation to like, you know, uh, bags of poop are getting burned in these giant burn pits. Well, the smoke goes up, it wafts over the base, and all of a sudden it seems a lot of people get some forms of diseases, some of which manifest themselves as cancer. The Pentagon has kind of turned a blind eye to this for many, many years. John took on this issue, had the um, Secretary of Veterans Affairs, Des McCullough, who used to be Barack Obama's chief of staff and was one of the few Barack Obama aides who was close to Joe Biden. So hence he got a job in the new administration. And ipso facto, this is now something the administration has taken severe and concrete action on. So if John Stewart wants to wave around the flag of I am. I actually mean something besides John Oliver, who generally has the flag of being incredibly funny, but you know, a little bit of a Don Coyote. He's got an advantage, and he's on a streamer, right? He's on Apple. He's on Apple TV Plus, my friend. So, and is that once a week? Um, uh, it was changing. It was bi-weekly at one point, uh, yeah, and then it was I, one, thought, I thought it was, he was on, uneven. To yeah, be I thought it was very uneven, and that's the problem with talk shows on streamers. It's very difficult 
to uh, kind of get a handle on how to do that. Netflix hasn't cracked it. You know, it's a very kind of unique thing that oddly enough belongs in something we had a discussion with uh, a while back on the networks trying to break into the Emmy race. This is still, even though John Oliver and The Daily Show have dominated it, in terms of nominations, uh, CBS is in this game, uh, ABC is in this game, you know, so um, there are places here for the traditional network. You know, what's interesting to me, The Tonight Show, uh, which is the king of all of it, uh, can't get arrested anymore in this category. You'll notice when you were reading off who's been nominated, Jimmy Fallon isn't it. And you know when that started? That started when he played with Donald Trump's hair and yeah. got all that criticism. And all of a sudden, Emmy voters, who I blame to be lazy here in the way they're voting, actually noticed that. And I think that killed his chances uh, continuing right up to now, even though campaigns every year, I hear from the same publicity company, what can you do for a Fallon in the Tonight Show? What can you do with this one? And, uh, you know, it hasn't worked. They haven't been able to get back into the game, the Tonight Show, the uh, the crown jewel, as it were, of uh, late night uh, talk TV. Um, yeah, I mean, in many, in many ways, the Tonight Show has become like classic rock, which is it just doesn't have much of a place on the charts. It, you know, it gets a lot of play, play in on, on radio or it's maybe even on, on yeah. Spotify playlists. But it's not something that cracks the charts. Rock and roll is just not up there right now. Also, I think too, um, I think Fallon sort of, I think he sort of ran out of his, he ran out of his opportunities. He had a very good early couple of years. You're right. And then that Donald Trump incident happened. And then there was just kind of a, I don't know, I don't want to say a slow beat into, into irrelevancy because I think Jimmy Fallon is incredibly talented. And he's very, very good when he does, especially during the pandemic. He really pulled it together. But it feels like, he plays a little soft in a world that is much more sharp elbowed nowadays. I mean, you know, when you look at his network competition, Stephen oh, Colbert, Colbert and Kimmel are always, almost always there. Like it's, it's a yeah. given place. And part of that I think is, is that like the other contenders, like the John Olivers and, 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 and the Trevor Noahs, they play in the political sandbox and they kick sand around and they kick it sometimes in the big guys' faces. So I feel that that has an appeal to people because I feel like Hollywood, you know, perhaps like a lot of places, but more than a lot of places to some extent, is very politicized. And if they can find a way to make a statement through a vote or through an award, they will do that. Which comes back to my do not count out the resurrection of Jon Stewart. No, and, and when you mentioned Jon Stewart, he, of course, won all those Emmys every year, like clockwork for The Daily Show. Do not count out Trevor Noah, who I think has been on the cusp of breaking through at the Emmys. I, I thought maybe last year, I actually thought Conan would win last year, but that wasn't to be. John Oliver thought that too, but I think Trevor Noah hosting the Grammys, hosting the uh, White House Correspondents Dinner, he's the new guy. He's somebody to look at here, and, and maybe this could be a breakthrough year for him. He's back with an audience, you know, um, uh, uh, got through that whole pandemic thing, as did all of them. Um, I would look out for him as well uh, in this mix. Who do you think is someone, you talked about Fallon, you know, um, who do you think is someone else who might be kind of reaching their sell-by date? Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I, you know, uh, I, I don't know that anybody is. Kimball keeps talking about wanting to quit at a certain point. He keeps uh, dangling that. Um, 
I, I don't know um, if that's going to happen. He's been doing this for, what, 19 years? Uh, you know, it's hard to believe. Boy, we thought Johnny Carson would never be top with 30 years, and maybe he still never will be. But, you know, we've got some long-run uh, people like Kimmel uh, yeah. creeping into this uh, right now. And, uh, you know, it's a tough gig, like I said. I think, quite frankly, the Television Academy should find a different place for John Oliver and maybe even John Stewart um, and not compete directly with these uh, week, you know, daily uh, talk shows. They should have their own little spot. I know they don't want to proliferate and they've already, you know, divided up the variety categories in such a way. But it seems unfair, so I just throw that in. I just I just don't know how you compare. But but Donald. how but how would the TV Academy do that? I mean, well, would they, they can do it with the board of governors. They can just say variety talk, you know, uh, daily and variety daily, talk, weekly. you know, and and uh, variety talk, uh, uh, you know, because the streamers are going to start to keep trying to find a way into this game, however they do it. And now we did not mention Letterman whose sell-by date sort of came at his own behest. And now he's back doing these special talk kind of things, pre-taped on uh, Netflix. I even saw them promote one of them coming up uh, uh, that is this year, uh, this season, Will Smith, except yeah. they point out uh, it was taped before the Oscars. So why <laughs> would they not try to update? Or are they going to run that? It seems so stale to me. Well, that. I mean, but this this is the problem. And, and this is where I think Jon Stewart, by his sheer brand power, has been able to break the curse of, of, the, of streamer, the, the streamer talk show. Yeah. You know, Netflix have tried, Chelsea Handler, others, they have tried. Um, you know, Patriot Act was a pretty good attempt at kind of being John Oliver-esque, but that hit some some roadblocks and eventually ran out of steam or rather got, got pink-slipped. Um, it's a very, very hard game. It is one of the things when you move out of the realm of news and sports, it's one of the things that the streamers just can't seem to crack, except right. for Apple TV with John. But again, they had some problems. They had, it was bi-weekly and then there was a podcast, but people didn't really know that the podcast was related to the show. And then it became, uh, for its first season, then it became a weekly show. But then that was just kind of through the last couple, the last like three or four weeks and then it ended, you yeah. know? And, and, and I think that for a lot of people, they might not even know that the problem with Jon Stewart actually started on September 30th, 2021, and ended on March 24th, 2020. But the thing is, it's on Apple, and you can go back to it. And I will say this about the problem with Jon Stewart, which, by the way, I am not advocating is the best talk, variety talk show out there. There are a lot of problems with it, some of which I've spoken about, and in terms of its redundancy and sometimes its irrelevance. But there are also some good parts about it. And the thing is about it is unlike almost every show that is a regular talk show and to some degree, John Oliver, John Stewart has begun to find the way to be an evergreen talk show. Okay. His shows, you go back and look at the gun control show. You go back and look at the show about, about white supremacy. You go back and look at the show about the stock market. You can watch them today, or you could have watched the stock market show on March 3rd, 2020. They're still standards informative television, as well as being entertaining, even when the market's up and even when the market's down. And that, because you can actually get a breadth of the whole season of this first season, and because people love Jon Stewart, I think that might give him some of the jet fuel he, jet fuel he needs to get past John Oliver, who, by the way, 
was a Daily Show correspondent under John Stewart and was John Stewart's protege. When John Stewart went away to make a movie, he actually John Oliver actually took over, and that was actually what caused HBO to offer him his own big chair. So, in a way, if okay. one wins, the other wins. Enough of John Stewart. Here's two guys that I would love to see host a talk show together. I actually worked. You and I. Uh, I worked. No. I worked uh, with one of them on a short-lived uh, daytime talk show, which was on all times of the night and day, and that's why it didn't work, but it was fun to do, the Martin Short Show. Steve Martin, just a genius at anything. You, you just know he could handle a talk show, but no, they're not doing a talk show. They're doing only- Oh my God, that is, you, you, you back-ended into that so long. <laughs> They're you're doing. Like a, you're like a U-Haul truck down at the the, the, the Time Warner <laughs> building. Yeah, they're doing only murders in the building, a terrific comedy mystery series uh, in which New York is also a star, uh, and it's a it's a great show on uh, Hulu. It's been renewed, actually, uh, starting its second season at the end of June. Uh, it's a fun show. It's always fun to watch these two guys together and joined by Selena Gomez as all three of them uh, joined me at our Contenders event to talk about only murders in the building here is part of that conversation. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Steve, uh, this came to you about 10 years ago or something, this idea to do this, this show. Well, it could be 10, <laughs> it could be five, or it could be 25. I'm not really sure. I just, uh, I, I remember. Steve, now, I you haven't had one of your stumbles again, have you? <laughs> I, uh, uh, I'm so glad I'm not within striking distance, actually, of Marty right now. But anyway. Um, I, uh, I was at a party with Sandy Gallen uh, and he was hosting a party and he, he, and it was, you know, there were some older actors there and he just came over to me and he said, you ought to write something for those guys. And I thought, gee, that's an interesting idea. And then I thought, why should I write for them? <laughs> anyway, it ended up with me, Marty and Selena and it just couldn't have been happier. Yeah. It's, um, it's, one of those kind of magic combinations that comes along, uh, you know, and when it works, it works. And this one works. And we're so happy you're, you're doing season two as we speak, uh, as we yes. talk about season one. And, of course, working with Marty Short, you've, you've been on stages, your, your movies, everything. You do everything together, you two. Marty, what's it, you know, what is the magic here? Um, I don't know. We have always had a so much fun together. And we, we made Three Amigos in 1986, and we made a, <laughs> and we made a determination, uh, which is not always the case, to just keep being friends. And for a long time, we didn't work together, except then we made Father the Bride, and then we started doing live shows. And I think we've done five things on screen together, Steve. I think so, yeah. Yeah. Wow. You know. And, and you know what's amazing is four of them were actually okay. 
<laughs> okay, well, I won't ask what the one that wasn't. No, listen, there are very few people that I truly admire in show business, and Steve is very close to being one of them. <laughs> and I have you to guys, say, yeah, go ahead. You guys realize my, I'm like, 10 times the size of you behind you, the ultimate uh, upstaging. Yeah, no, no we, we notice. Yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> Amazing how I worked that out. Yeah. <laughs> it's like Hulu's version of Shrek. <laughs> and then, Selena, how did you get mixed up with these guys in this whole thing? I have no idea. <laughs> no, um, it, was, it was actually a wonderful a coincidence. I got to meet with John and Dan and Jess and a few other people, a part of the show. And um, I was so excited after the conversation. I just felt like this was something that I was excited to do. And I love TV and film so much that I'd missed it deeply. And to be able to be with these two legends, I mean, it's this all the time, all day long, and it's it's cute sometimes, and then I'm like, hey. Uh, but uh, uh, I feel I'm, very grateful. I'm, Sorry, go ahead. What I'm especially pleased with, you know, I'm looking at you, I'm from New York, is sitting there, the three of you, and uh, I, I also add the interlocutor, whose name I, uh, was obscured uh, when you introduced yourself. Um, but, uh, you know, we have here, you know, after two years, we have uh, four friends right here. Then, And often, you know, there's always one loser or somebody difficult or somebody impossible or somebody who brings down the joy of the set. And then in this case, there's really only one person who does that. <laughs> wow. He keeps dropping these little mystery hints here, you know, that you guys are going to have to solve one way or another. Old big head. He can say whatever he wants. Well, it was, there was certainly some killing left on the floor in that one. So listen, thank you for listening to this episode of the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Make sure you subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or Spotify so you never miss a single episode. And of course, you can find all of our TV breaking news coverage at Deadline.com. Thank you for joining us. Talk to you soon.